What's going on, world family? It's your boy, Donald Jones, and welcome to another episode of Journey of the Mindset. Today, I have a special guest, somebody that I'm very, very excited to have here with me. He's a mentor of mine, a family man, a professor, real estate investor, CEO of Aim High International, author, entrepreneur, and spent some time in politics, even ran for New York State Assembly. Without further ado, people, I'm here with Mr. Sherman Brown. What's, what's going, going on? on? Yeah, what's going on, brother? Yeah, How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Very, very excited to actually have you on the show and actually have you here and I'm able to interview you. Um, spend a lot of time with you. You are a mentor of mine. Um, just to give you a little bit of background before I let him speak, because I, I know for a fact that what he's going to say is going to be very, very powerful. So I'm going to let you know right now, I will stop if I was you. Go get your plate. Go get your fork. Go get your spoon. Go get your knives because you're going to get fed today. I promise you on the show, you are going to get fed. So let me just tell you, just to give you a little bit of background uh, uh, about who um, Mr. Sherman Brown is to me. He was actually my college professor when I was going for my undergrad in criminal justice. And um, it was very interesting because I tried to um, I tried to get out of his class really, really fast. Trying to escape. <laughs> I tried to escape. Um, I heard that his class was, was um, a class that you really didn't want to um, go to because he did challenge the students. Uh, and then he created this capstone class, which was like everything that you learned from freshman year in college all the way up to um, your senior year. And um, I don't think anybody really wanted to have to go back in, in the past and have to deal with everything that they did their freshman year on. So um, I tried to get out of that class. Unfortunately, um, at the time, I wasn't able to get out of there. Um, but one thing that everybody told me was, don't get to his class late, because if you get to his class late, you will be embarrassed. Problems. Mm -hmm. So I'm making sure I'm there on time. I'm there. Five minutes go by. There's no professor. Ten minutes go by. There's no professor. And then all of a sudden, this guy just stands up. Um, sitting sit in front of the classroom, just stands up and just goes on this motivational, just just amazing things was just coming out of his mouth. Let me just say that. And all I kept saying to myself, and, and I'll never forget this day, all I kept saying to myself when you were talking was, I want to be just like that. I always wanted to speak. And the way you made me felt that way through your words, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. So fast forward years later, we use, we lose contact with each other. Yeah, I'm yeah. going for my, um, my graduates and guidance, my, my graduate and guidance counselor, my master's in guidance counselor more. So, um, running to you, you were going in to speak, I believe, um, that yeah, day. Yeah. I think I was speaking at a graduation at the time. Yep. 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 And you're walking across the campus and I see you and I go over to shake your hand. And I don't know if you really remembered me um, during that time. Cause I'm saying to you like, Hey, how you doing? And he was like, Hey, yeah, what's going on? What's going on boss? <laughs> you know what it is? It's one of those situations where you see someone and you know, you know them from somewhere yeah. and you just like, don't, it, it doesn't register at that time. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So, so I probably saw you and I'm just like, yo, what's up boss? Yeah. Keep it going. You know? So I, I kind of felt brushed off that day. Oh my I bad. Felt, I felt brushed <laughs> off. Like, you know, like, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, just another fan here and stuff like that. So that's how I felt that day. And, um, I didn't get a chance to really speak to him. It was like more so of a passing. How you doing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we lost contact with each other for a few more years. And, um, I'm a YouTube pep. So I'm on YouTube and I see you talking in front of cadets at the NYPD. Yep. Did, yep. Yep. I was speaking. Did, how did that even happen? Yeah. So, um, I actually had a former student of mine. She was studying criminal justice, uh, Zulaysha Redford. She's now an officer with the NYPD and she was there in the cadets program and she saw them bringing in speakers and she yeah. said, yo, Mr. Brown, you need to come in here and speak, you know, with these cadets. 
and I had never had any connection really um, to the NYPD um, in that way, doing any professional development or anything like that. But she was the one who mentioned my name in there. And then I received um, a call from uh, the, the folks who are in charge of the entire unit yeah. um, and the entire cadets program. And then they were like, look, we heard a lot about you. We saw some of your stuff online and we certainly want you to come in and connect with the cadets. So that, that, that video that you saw um, was a video where I was going in there to give them an initial training right. um, as they were getting ready to get into the police force. And, and how was that experience for you within itself? Like just being there and knowing that you're speaking to the future of New York City that's going to be out there protecting our kids, protecting our families, our mothers and our fathers. What was that experience like yeah, for you? Yeah, well, look, it was, it was, a, it was a great experience. Um, and I thought that I had a grave responsibility um, in going there. And here's the reason why. The time when I was there speaking with them, um, I was looking at these officers and just thinking about the courage they must have mm -hmm. to be taking a step um, that they want to get into a field that when there's chaos going around and people are running away, they're running towards it. Mm -hmm. So I had a tremendous amount of respect um, for them um, even taking that step. But in addition to that, I thought about it in a personal manner, right? I, you know, And part of what I said to them when we were there, the reason why it's important for them to get it right is because what they're doing is affecting many lives. And my daughter's life is on the line. My daughter was born not too long before I had that chance to speak at the cadets. And my whole thing was, look, when I was speaking to them, I thought about it as I'm speaking to you because you're going to be the one protecting me, yeah. my family, my daughter. And I respect what you do, mm -hmm. but I want to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. So it was a great experience. And I just thought it was a great responsibility to make sure that I give them a message that not only motivates them, but keeps it to the forefront of their mind, the perspective that they are life changers. They are lifesavers. They are making a tremendous impact by choosing to serve. Mm, nice, nice. There, there's something that um, that I heard you say plenty of time, and, and, and I know that this is what you live by, and it's something that you said that you call the F7. And Yes, yes. When I heard you speak about the, the F7, before I, I let him talk about it, um, it was something that really brought me perspective towards my life because it makes you really think about what are the most important things in your life. And those things that you're choosing to be the most important things in your life, how are you lining them up? So um, can you just explain to the viewers like what the F7 is and, and what does it mean to you? Like, how did you even create it? Yeah. So, so the F7, I was actually at a point in time in my life where I was trying to analyze um, and trying to find balance. Um, and as you know, when you're working, doing business, you have a family, all of these things, you're trying to find balance. And during that time, I was having a very difficult time because I was running my businesses. Um, I was teaching like nine classes at the college at the time. I had so many things going on and I was married and I had a daughter now. And I was thinking about my life and I was like, look, at the end of this life, what I don't want to have happen is that um, when I look back on it, I recognize that I, I lived by default and not by design. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to design my life. So I created this thing called the F7 and I was looking at my life and I recognized there's seven foundational pillars to all of our existence. Mm -hmm. Faith, family, fitness, finances, fun, friends and fulfillment. Those seven categories, faith, family, fitness, finances, fun, friends, and fulfillment. And the reason why those components are so important is because it encapsulates everything that we do in our life. So when I created the F7, I had to look at it and say, look, how am I going to prioritize my life? Right. And I put it in order from one to seven. And for me, I put it in the order of faith. Then it was family. Then it was fulfillment. Then it was finances. Then it was fun, friends, right? And then fitness. And I put fitness on the end when it should have been even, you know, up closer, right? Yeah. But um, during that time when I when I categorized my F7, um, I put it in place. And the reason I put it in place is so that I could have 
a roadmap to guide me in what I do on a day-by-day basis. And even in putting together that F7, I use it to create what's called my vision statement, right? And I put my vision statement of who I want to be in this world in that specific order. So it's funny because um, when I'm hearing you explain it, um, I'm, I'm into something now that where I'm learning about mind maps. So would you say like um, the F7 is something like a mind map where you're just planning out um, your life and what's important to you and how you're going to move to the next level? Absolutely. So a mind map, for those who may not know, it's really a visual representation um, of you and you mapping out all the things that you have going on in your life. So when I when you have the mind map, the reason why it's good is because if you have the F7 in your mind map, right, faith, family, fitness, finances, all those components, what you could do is actually start to schedule out or put into place what you want your life to be in every one of those areas. So let's give an example. Let's say we're talking about family. Well, what type of family do you want to have? And when you put it in the mind map, it's to give you a visual representation. I want a family that is heavy on traditions, Mm -hmm. traditions that we create. We have a culture of love and of compassion, right? We have a culture in our family where we look out for each other and we are empathetic towards the needs of each other. So if you put that in your mind map now, You got to now schedule out what are the things that you are going to do to live up to that. If we want to have traditions all the time, it might be, you know what, my family, we eat together every night. At least at least five days out of the week, we eat together at the table. Well, then now you have something to put in place for that. So that mind map that you're creating is so essential because when you create your mind map, it gives you a guide and you can actually visually see all what you're trying to become, all the things that you're trying to do. I use mind maps for everything that I do in business and in my personal life as well. And and that's one thing I can say that you honestly taught me is that it's okay to have the ideas in your head, but if you don't get it out of your head, it's going to be very hard for you to move towards whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And um, one thing that you've accomplished, um, if you guys haven't um, yet visit Mr. Sherman Brown's website and Instagram, which we'll we'll, we'll throw up here and we'll we'll say at the end, um, you have something, an organization called Aim High International. What is Aim High International? So Aim High International is the premier personal and professional development organization. We are really focused on equipping and empowering people to live their best life through the navigation of their maps. And what we call their maps is their mental, academic, personal, professional, and social outcomes, right? So we want you to work on your maps so that you could get to your destination. When we're talking about mental, it's about mental awareness and mental fitness and mental health. When we're talking about academic, what are the academic pursuits that you have or what do you need to know academically that will help your personal and professional pursuits? When we talk about personal, it might be, you know, about things in your personal life, goals that you want to meet. Professional could be about career or business and social is about contribution to the world. So Aim High is designed to help you to fix your maps so that you could get to your destination in the right way and in the right time. I like that. I like that. So um, with, with, with Aim High, where, what do you guys like? So where do you guys station at? What is your main focus of, um, so do you guys focus on kids, adults, college, schools, outside businesses? What do you guys focus yeah, on? Yeah, so we're very multidimensional in what we do. Um, Aim High has a number of components. Um, that first component that we have is around personal and professional development. So we do education consulting. We also work with organizations, corporate entities, nonprofits, and we train their staff for peak performance. Um, but we also have another component that works with the schools. Um, Aim High believes that life skills and personal development should be taught in every school level, at every level of the pipeline, nice, and it should nice, be a nice. part of the curriculum. Nice. So just like you went to school, right? You learn math, right? You learn science, you learn English. Those were mandatory classes you had to take. Yeah. You should have a life skills class. As a matter of fact, there was actually a study that was done by H&R Block, and they were looking at the five things that adults wish they had learned in school. Mm-hmm. And you know what was on those things? Things like mental wellness, right? Managing emotional, um, emotional and mental well-being. 
things like um, intro to taxation, right? Mm -hmm. Are we learning about taxes and finances, the art of negotiation, relationship building? Yeah. All of those things are essential things that you have to do for the rest of your life. Yes, it is. But most people don't learn it in school. You only learn it after you graduate from school. Yeah. And the problem we were trying to solve when we decided to go into the school system is that I was tired of seeing people who were passing classes but failing at life. Mm -hmm. And that was mm -hmm. a difficult thing for mm -hmm. me to witness. Um, so we decided to go into the schools. But then AIM also has a real estate arm, right? And this is from a business perspective. So I started getting into real estate investing. Mm -hmm. um, currently manage some properties over on 217th Street um, in the Bronx. We have three buildings over there that we're managing, that we're running, um, and trying to get more into the real estate investment. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's a, that's a very important asset um, to have, to have real estate. Um, and then we also decided to get into health and wellness. So my wife, uh, Sharice Brown, she runs a component called Body and Soul. Nice, and nice. Body and Soul spelled S-O-L, not S-O-U-L, right? Uh -huh. Soul, S-O-L. My daughter's name is Soleil, S-O-L-A-E-I, yeah. nice, right? Nice. So Body and Soul um, was based off of a situation that we went through personally with our daughter. Yeah. But what Sharice was able to do was to turn that pain into purpose. And we created a Body and Soul component. She's a, a board-certified nurse practitioner, and we actually work with people on gut health, right? We also deal with them um, as it relates to hypertension and diabetes and right. dealing with all of these different categories. So when you look at AIM High overall, we have the real estate component, we have the educational component, we have personal and professional development, uh, but then we also do a lot of events. So through AIM High Empowerment Institute, which is our nonprofit organization, we do a lot of philanthropic events for the community, and we do male empowerment, female empowerment events, many events that's around personal and professional development, but for people who can't afford it. So we use the institute and we get funding from government sources, different sources, so that we could empower our communities with the program. When do you sleep? Oh man, I, I, well, look, <laughs> it's a good question, right? But I get plenty of sleep. I get plenty and plenty of sleep. I believe that balance um, is sometimes a fallacy yeah. because you know what we, we look at in life is that we, we try to balance everything, but the reality is you're not gonna be perfect at everything. Yeah. I've learned and we've learned in AIM High to accept the fact that every day you're gonna fail at something. The key is not to fail at the same thing every day. So when I look at my life and I look at balancing the things that I need to deal with, I have to get enough time to sleep, right? But there's sometimes and some periods of time in my life where I'm so busy with business that I might not get as much sleep in certain mm -hmm. months, but I always have to balance it up by making it up. So I do get enough sleep yeah. um, and I try to manage my time very well. And time management is something that I have to learn over time. And it's a skill that I'm still developing, that I'm still mastering, but I make sure to get my sleep. When I'm tired, I'm out, out like a light. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because um, I think, I don't know if, if, if it's a myth, um, but uh, being an entrepreneur, there's a, this thing that they say, well, you're not going to get more, you're not going to get a lot of sleep. The first five years, you're just going to be running, you're going to be running, you're going to be running. What do you say to the people out there that is chasing a dream, that wants to become an entrepreneur, that wants to open up businesses? What do you say for them? Because I think that a lot of times we get into things like me, I wanted to become a speaker. So when I came here, I said, hey, I want to be a speaker. And the first thing you said was, okay, what are you willing to sacrifice? And I think yes. that that's something that we have to understand is that when you're chasing your dream and you're trying to move forward to something that you really want to do, there are going to be things that's going to sac that you're going to have to sacrifice. Um, one of the things that I know that I have to sacrifice with the things that I'm doing is I don't get to spend that much time as much time with my son. I'm a single dad. Well, not a single dad. I have a girlfriend um, that we live with, but my me and the mother of my child is no longer together. My son lives with the mother of my child, yeah. so I get him every other weekends. I pick him up from school three times a week, but I always feel like that's not enough time on top of the things that I'm doing outside of being a father. So, what what would you say? When when people are chasing a dream or a business and they're trying to be the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur, what would you what what's that inside scoop that you could get 
um, that you can get to them before they start their journey or while they're on their journey? Yeah, so I just think it's very important that you do a very thorough self-assessment of who you are and what your values are. Before you go and start a business and start thinking about how much money you want to make and what you want to have, mm-hmm. you got to first think about who do you want to become. And, and again, that's going back to prioritizing that F7 because it's going to guide your decision making. Now, on the entrepreneurial end itself, I believe in cheating fast and cheating quickly. And what I mean by that, right, is that when you were in school mm-hmm. and if you took a class with me, I told you don't copy and paste. Yeah. Right. But in life, you could copy and paste. And here's the reason why. There's people who've already done the businesses that you're interested in doing. Things that you already are, you know, that that they've already done and they've already made the mistakes that you could avoid. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you need to do is to cheat, right, and do some research and find out what does it take to be in that position. The grass always looks greener on the other side, Mm -hmm. but you also got to understand that the water bill is much higher. Mm -hmm. There is a bigger Mm -hmm. price that is being paid, right, for that grass to be so green. So before you just say, I want to get into entrepreneurship, I want to jump into this, figure out why you want to do that. You know, a lot of times I hear people talk about the fact that, like, let's say you are good at baking cookies. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you say, oh, I want to open up a bakery. And I'm going to tell you, like, well, you being good at cook, cook baking cookies yeah. doesn't mean open up a bakery. Because mm-hmm. opening up a bakery is business. Mm-hmm. And when you are having a business and you're running a business, here's what you got to understand. You're not running the business to bake the cookies. Yeah. You're trying to develop other people to be able to bake those cookies. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go into entrepreneurship, you got to learn about what it takes. And there's no class or nothing that will prepare you for everything Mm -hmm. because your entrepreneurial journey will be your journey. But you need to cheat quickly by looking at others. Find what I call the M&Ms, the mentors and the models. And every time you sit with them, you need to ask them for their M&Ms, the methods that work for them that allow them to become successful and the mistakes you need to avoid. Mm -hmm. After you get that information and you compare it to your self-assessment to who you want to become, then you can determine, is this really the life for me? It might not be entrepreneurship. You might be a great number two, three, four, five working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you think you got to start your own business because your ego is telling you, I need to have my name on it. Mm -hmm. Your happiness could be completely destroyed because you jumped into a lane that you don't belong in. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that if you want to become an entrepreneur, I'm big on entrepreneurship. I'm big on using your skills to pay your bills, right? To use it to build a side hustle Mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. But before you get into entrepreneurship, you need to do a thorough self-assessment of who you want to become. And then in addition to that, do some of the research in the industry. Sit down with an entrepreneur. Sit down with somebody who's been doing business for a while and sit with them for a couple of days because then you might recognize that, hey, you know what? This is not the life that I want. And at the end of the day, I want you to be joyful. I want you to be happy, but you're not going to be happy when you're doing things that are not in alignment with your calling or with your purpose. So do the research before you jump in, because if you jump in and you recognize it's not what you intended it to be, and let's say you had already quit your job, now you got a whole new problem on your hand. You said something that was very important. Um, it's not in line with your plan. How does people play a role in that? Because um, I, I hear you say sometime, and I've also heard, if you're hanging out with four broke people, normally you're the fifth broke person. Absolutely. I believe that 100%. If you hang with four broke people, it's because you're the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Just like if you hang with wealthy people, you eventually become the next one, right? So the, the fact is, right, people have to be aligned to your plans and to your purpose. I look at people in one of two ways. You are either an asset or you're a liability. There's no in between. There's no I neutral. Love that. I love Listen that. to me, boss. You that. are either an asset to my life or you're a liability. Let's say you have somebody in your life and they say, well, I'm not a liability. I'm not costing you anything. Well, if you cost me my time, mm-hmm. if you cost me my energy mm-hmm. and there's nothing that's reciprocated from that mm-hmm. of value, then you are a liability to my life. So I try to spend my time with people 
who I see as assets, people who are helping me to grow yeah. and who I could also help to grow personally, professionally, in all aspects of their life. Look at me and you, for example, right? We connect with each other all the time. My thing is, is that DJ cannot hang out with me and you can't be around me yep. if you are not taking care of your personal exactly life and getting that, right? So yep. you got to get yourself on point and then, then, then you can add value to me mm -hmm. because now I can learn from you and learn your best practices. Yep. I can share with you my best practices and together we could grow. So people are either assets or liabilities. It's your responsibility to make sure that just like you manage your bank account, mm -hmm. that you have people who are making more deposits than withdrawals. And, and that's one thing that I can honestly say um, that since I've started being around you more, um, my mind has changed. I've seen the way you navigate a room. I've seen the way you work. I see the way you think. And a lot of that poured into me. And my way of thinking, I don't just look at things in a narrow sense anymore. So when I'm looking at a picture, I'm thinking or uh, seeing something, I'm analyzing the whole situation. I'm looking at it from a bigger picture, Absolutely. especially before I put my input in there. Um, one thing that you say, and I love the fact that you say this, is that you say, let's not, you, you, now, you, you've heard my glory now I want you to hear my story. And you've, you, you, you ran for New York State Assembly. Um, you took on all of these tasks. You wrote a book. You're an entrepreneur. You're a CEO. Why? Like, what, what is, like I mean, why? So, so, so that's, that's funny that you said that, right? Because every time, and even when you were beginning to introduce me, every time I hear people start talking about my accolades, I'm like, look, people will be impressed on the outside, mm -hmm. but I know the true story of what I went through. To, um, to be able to even accomplish those things. Um, so the reason why I think it's important that people know the story is because my journey didn't start off with a suit. It didn't, it didn't start off with a book. It didn't start off being um, at the level that I'm at today, right? It began from someplace. And I started in a small place called the U.S. Virgin Islands. And growing up in the islands, I didn't have much, right? Um, we were broke. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know we were broke. I didn't know we were living in poverty. I thought the lifestyle that we were living was a normal lifestyle. So for me and my brother and my mother in our household, um, I thought it was normal that the kitchen was the living room and the bedroom at the same time. Mm. I thought that was the norm. I also thought it was normal that many nights I would go home and all we had was bread and water. Yeah. And while I was living under those conditions, I thought it was a-okay. Um, over time, my mother kept on telling me about where we were going. And no matter how much poverty we were living in, I didn't know we were living in poverty. She would just share with me all the time that this situation yeah. is only transportation to our destination. Mm. So wherever we are, it's only really a setup and it's getting us closer to where we're going to be, but we will not be in these conditions forever. So learning that um, from my mother, I learned to be resourceful with little. I recognized we didn't have much, how to maximize the use of what we do have. Um, I graduated from uh, you know elementary, middle school, high school, and I left the islands to move to New York um, with a dream in my mind. And I thought that when I came to New York, I thought the streets would be paved with gold mm -hmm. and the money would grow off the trees. And I was so wrong when I came up here I knew in the islands we were broke. When I came up here, I moved to the South Bronx. Yeah. And then I recognized we were broke, broke. Like, like we were at a real different type of broke. Different and there were some conditions that I was living in then um, that really bothered me, right? So I wasn't used to the no heat, no hot water. I wasn't used to the, you know, uh, dealing with rats and roaches coming into your building yeah. and apartments. I wasn't used to that. So when I was living under all of these conditions, at the time when I moved to New York, I thought I was going to be some aspiring like, rapper or artist because, you, like, when we grow up, right, and we're in poverty, particularly for people of color. A lot of times we only see sports, entertainment, yeah, right, as yeah. the way to get out. Mm -hmm. So when I was in those conditions, I remember living with my grandmother, I said to myself, man, I didn't leave here from the islands to come up here and live like this. And there was something that I learned along the way. People change for one or two reasons in life, yeah. either because of inspiration or because of desperation. It's one of the two. Either you get so inspired that you're like, yo, I have to move. I have to make something happen. Or you get so desperate that you're like, I need to make something happen right now. Yeah. 
I got desperate. And after I got desperate, I started making different moves. I went to college, finished my bachelor's degree, finished my master's degree. Um, while I was there, I was working in government. While I was working in government, I was helping to bring education to our communities, particularly low-income communities, to let them know about resources that were available to them. While I was doing that, the elected official that I was working for wasn't reelected. Yeah. And when she wasn't reelected, I went back down to zero. So Drake went from zero to 100 real mm -hmm. quick. I went from 100 to zero <laughs> real quick, yeah. right? Yeah. And when I went down to zero, DJ, here's the thing that happened. I was down to zero and I was saying to myself, damn, like I worked hard to get to a certain point. Yeah. And now I'm back here again. And no matter how much money I made, my mindset didn't change. Mm -hmm. Because when I made more money, I was spending the money buying mm -hmm. cars, buying clothes, trying to show off and all of these things. And um, during that time when I lost that income, I still, I had the condo, I had cars, I had everything that I needed to pay for, and I didn't know how I was going to manage it. So I made a decision on that day. I said, look, something needs to change, and it needs to be with my mindset. But then something happened October 25th, 2011. Yeah. My grandmother passed away. Yeah. The same one who I moved with when I came to New York, she passed away. And the thing that hurt me the most about when I went to visit her at Mount Sinai Hospital was that she was lying down on her deathbed. Mm -hmm. And while I was trying to make her smile and make her laugh, the only thing my grandmother kept on talking about is all the things she could have done, should have done, and would have done if she had more time. Mm -hmm. And when my grandmother died, she taught me the most important lesson of my life, that most people won't try to live until they're about to die. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that lesson from her, it was a game-changing moment in my life. At that point in time, I said no one should live this life regretting that they didn't live their best life while they yeah. were here. So that's why we started Aim High International. That's why we wrote the books. That's why we started empowering people and running, you know, Aim High programs in schools and working with different counties and working with different professionals to help them take their life to another level. Yeah. To let them know, like, look, you can live the high life right now. Yeah. You could go out there and aim high with your faith, with your family, with your fitness, mm -hmm. with your finances, with your fun, your friends, your fulfillment in every area of your life. But you got to make a decision right now. Yeah. Are you inspired or are you desperate? Whichever one moves you, let it move you to living your best life right now. So I, I know a question that's going to definitely come up. Um, why did you leave politics? Because you, you seem like you are somebody that, that can really inspire. You can really make change. You're very, very passionate about the work that you do. For the parents that are listening, for the people that are listening, saying, we need somebody in office like him representing why no more politics. So let me tell you why I came out of politics. You know what I talked about earlier about like jumping in a lane that is not for you. Mm -hmm. When I ran for politics and I ran for office, I recognized while I was running that that's not where I wanted to be. Yeah. So what happens is sometimes you think of the accolades. I was thinking, well, if I could be an assembly member, right, and I have a title and I could go out there and have this impact in the community would be great. And that's what I was thinking at the time. I think I was more hung up on the title at the time mm. rather than the work that needed to be done. So I jumped in a lane that I didn't need to it's be the in. Mindset, right? Yeah. Exactly. Not because I worked in politics for mm. a number of years. Mean it didn't mean that I needed to be a politician. Yeah. There were some things that I learned in there that were tools to put on my belt. And what I started to recognize is that with politics, you know, in order for you to move and to get things done, there's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of, you know, of smoothing and, and, and taking your time and being with people mm -hmm. who might be a liability to your life, yeah. might yep. be wasting your time. But guess what? Because of the things that you're trying to accomplish in politics, there's the places you got to go, things you got to do. And it doesn't have to be anything corrupt or anything like that, but just things that I don't want to spend my time doing. So I decided at that time when I lost the race, I only got 25% of the vote. Yeah. I was running in an area where um, the incumbent who's actually currently, he's currently the 
the Speaker of the New York State Assembly. His name is Carl Hasty. Mm. Very widely respected man. I respect him to the utmost because he does great work for our community. He was the first African-American to be um, named Speaker of the New York State nice, Assembly. Nice. So when I ran against him, I ran because of my ego. Yeah. That's really what I ran for. And um, when I lost and I only got 25% of the vote, at that point in time, while everyone was like, man, Sherms, I know you worked hard to run and you lost, you know, they didn't know that in the inside of me, I was elated because I was like, man, look, I'm glad I don't have to go to Albany <laughs> to be traveling up and down, back and forth. And I was like, you know what? I could still have an influence on the political system yeah. without being a politician, mm. right? I'm civically engaged. I'm empowered to do what I do. I know how to get the resources because I worked inside the yeah. environment, use the resources to further the causes and don't have the limitations of having to be a politician Smart. and watch what I say, right? So it wasn't my lane. Yeah. At the time, my ego told me to jump in. Because a lot of times we like to satisfy our ego, just like how sometimes people become entrepreneurs because of ego. And your ego is your enemy. Yeah. You got to watch it, right? Don't let it take you in the wrong direction. So that's why I'm not involved in politics now. And I rather influence the politicians rather than be a politician, mm -hmm. right? It's like the Uber approach, yeah. right? In Uber, you could you, they let you drive your own car. Uh -huh. I'll let the politician drive your own car, but I'll get to where I need to get to through you. See, the way, the way you think, like the... The way your mind is, that's what I find so intriguing because you'll see a problem and you'll instead of you taking the same direction that everybody else took to, to solve that problem, you'll take a different a different approach. And I think that, that that's that's one thing I admire about you so much is because you see things just differently, man. Like I I've seen you walk into spaces that the vibe just was a little off. And as soon as you start talking, the vibe, the energy is just up. And I know that you preach a lot about energy. Yeah. Can you, because I, I try to tell people this all the time. If you approach somebody, hey, how you doing? My name is DJ. No, then you, you, what type of response are you think you're going to get? But when you come with that energy and you walk into a room and you're shaking people's hand and you're saying hello and good morning, what does that do to people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, I just believe energy is everything. I think like, like there's so much power and energy and you got to choose the energy that you want to have. Here's a question that you always have to ask yourself. What does your energy say about you? Like when you walk to the table, like mm -hmm. what does your energy say about who you are? I just happen to believe that your personality creates your personal reality. Mm -hmm. Like digest that for a minute, yeah. boss, right? Your personality, who you are, the type of energy you bring, yeah. it, it plays a role in, in, in setting up your personal reality, meaning how you live. So when I walk into a room, right, I say to myself, I got to know the value of my presence mm -hmm. so that when I walk into a room, I'm adding value immediately. And the one way that I can add value is by bringing the right energy. Why? Because if you turn on the TV today, on the news, they're talking about bombings. If yeah. you turn on, uh, uh, go to another channel, they're talking about, you know, human trafficking and all of these things. And you are bombarded every day with a bunch of negativity. Yep. I'm not going to contribute to that. So when I walk into a room, I'm coming with an energy. You know why? Because I'm alive. And the fact that I got another 86,400 seconds replenished so that I have another day yeah. to live, I have to make the most of it. And guess what? What's the alternative to that? Having a dead energy, what does that do for you? Mm -hmm. Nothing. It gets you nothing. Okay. It gets you nowhere. Yep. So I believe your energy is everything. And if you are focused on appreciation, you will cancel your frustration. Mm. So the frustration you have in the day is because guess what? You're just thinking about what you didn't get, what you don't have. Yeah. Be grateful for everything you do have. Yeah. There's some of us like like some of us talk about our problems and I'm like, you hate the job, but somebody's praying for your problem. Mm -hmm. Somebody's praying to have the job that you hate. Yeah. 
And guess what? You remember when you wanted a job? You wanted it so bad and you were acting proper. Now you got it. You got a whole lot to complain about. And I'm not saying that there's not issues happening at the job and happening in your life. But I'm saying that you always have more to be grateful for than to be complaining about. Mm -hmm. And if you focus on gratitude and having a, a, you know, a gracious attitude, I can tell you this for a fact. You will cancel frustration when you focus on appreciation. Yes. Facts. Yes. I, 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 I agree with you 100% with that because um, even when I find myself um, thinking in a negative space, my whole day is just off. And if I continue to think that way all day, my day is off. But the moment I say to myself, you know what? It's not that serious. I'm just going to let this blow over and let it work itself out. Then my day goes on and it's, and it's fine. Um, and one thing that I learned is that a lot of people buffer in their, their struggles. They'll just sit there and they'll constantly keep thinking about it over and over again. Never come up with a solution. Never move out of it. But they just stay there. And I always try to tell people and I try to preach about forgiveness. Forgiveness is never for the other person. The forgiveness is for you. Absolutely. It's for you to let that, to, to let that whatever it is that, that, had, that was holding on to you, to break those chains. For you to be able to move on from that. I'm a firm believer that if you think that you're on this earth and you're not going to go through any stress and you're not going to go through any trials and tribulations and you're not going to go through downfalls, then you're, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not here. You're not living in reality. Yeah. Life is about trouble, um, struggles. And the funny thing is, is that people learn through struggles. A lot of times tragedies happen in order for you to learn from it. Yeah. Um, uh, fights happen, arguments happen in order for you to learn from it. The, the point is, is in that moment, are you going to take the time to say, hey, you know what? Let me put my, emotional, my emotions to the side. What can I learn from this situation? And I guess the question I want to ask from you is this, is I know that you do a lot. I know that you, 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 um, you go around and you speak to a lot of people. You're human at yeah, the same time. Absolutely. Tell me about you being human. I want to know about, do you have those days where you feel unmotivated and you have to push yourself? Do you have those days where you don't want to get out of work? Do you have those days, I mean, get out of bed? Do you have those days where you get upset? Are you ever sad? I know that me being around you for the past year and a half, two years, I've only seen you one way. I, I, I think maybe one time I've probably seen you a little flustered, but I've never seen you mad. I've never seen you sad. I never even heard you come like complain. Like I never, you never sat me down. Like yo, DJ, I'm going through this, you know. So like, I want to know your human side. Like, <laughs> well, well, well. First of all, let me say I am human, 100% <laughs> human. I didn't come from aliens. I didn't come from Mars. I'm 100% human. So look, the, the, the adversities, the struggles, the things that I go through. I talked about the fact that my daughter had some health issues yeah. um, over the summer. All of those things I go through just like everyone else. Um, what I try to do, though, is to focus my energy, my time, um, and, and what I do on the things that are that are feeding me to where I want to be. So when I do I have days where I just don't feel like doing anything? Yeah. Absolutely. Do I have days when I'm frustrated, like if I'm betrayed, right? Or, or, or you know, somebody quit on me or they were supposed to do something, they didn't do it. Do I get frustrated those things? Absolutely. All of those things are human feelings that we go through. The difference between me and, and maybe a lot of folks is that I don't, I don't live there. I don't live there. I don't live in that moment. So when something happens, here's what I do. I ask myself all the time. I'm frustrated at this situation that happened. Yeah. It happened at two o'clock in the afternoon. Am I going to go at bed at nine o'clock tonight or 10 o'clock tonight, still on that same thing that happened at two o'clock, that mm -hmm. is robbing my time, mm -hmm. robbing my minutes, mm -hmm. robbing my seconds mm -hmm. where I could focus someplace else. So when things happen, I'm, I'm big on feeling what you feel, yeah. go through what you feel, yeah. but your recovery time has to be quick. Yeah. And that's the thing that I try to focus on, recovering quickly. I'm hit, I'm hurt, I'm crying, I'm down, I'm feeling what I'm feeling. But Sherman, you got to get up and go. You got to get up and keep moving. Yeah. You know why? Because my daughter, my daughter has no time for my excuses. Mm. What I'm going to do when my daughter comes around, still give her the same energy because I'm frustrated at something that I didn't have anything to do with her. Yeah. 
I am wasting her time and my time. So I just think it's important that when you go through your human emotions, which we all have, which we all go through, yeah. don't worry about how much things I've accomplished and all of that. I go through the same things that everyone goes through. The only thing that I've tried to master in my mindset is to make sure that my recovery time is as quick as possible. Go through it, feel it, yell, scream, kick, cry yeah. if you have to, yeah. but then get back on the horse and keep on yeah. riding. Because guess what? Life still goes on. Yeah. And the world, the clock is still ticking. Yeah. The clock is still ticking. And every time the clock ticks, you are a day closer to your death. And like I told you, my grandmother said, all the things I could have done, should have done, would have done if I had more time. Yeah. I can't replenish the time. So I can't waste the time complaining, arguing, feeling bad. I got to move on to something else. Mm. Which brings me into Overcome a Dream Aside. That's the book that you wrote. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. I didn't read the last page, but I read the book. I just didn't read the last page. I found, yeah. and, and, and I started reading his book when I first started hanging out with him and being around him. And I think that played, a, um, it was very important for me to read that book before, during the time that we started um, in the beginning, because it gave me an inside look of what's going on in your brain. And I say that in this sense, it's very rarely that you can read a book from somebody that you admire from an author and then be able to work beside them. And I got the opportunity to admire you through the internet to read your book and now be able to work with you hand by, you know, side by side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I noticed about your book is something that you do a lot to connect with people is you started the book with a story yes. by opening up with a story. Why? Why was that important? Yeah. So I just happen to believe that um, stories are everything, right? Um, if you look at history, mm -hmm. if you look at everything in our life, we are carried, culture is carried by stories. Yeah. So the reason you learn certain traditions and you carry them is because there's a story behind that. So um, when I started the book, I didn't want to go into the book straight out the gate, giving you information and all the steps that you need to, to, to live your dreams, right? And by the way, for those who don't know, dreamicide is a term that I created. Just like we talk about suicide, homicide, right? We talk about dreamicide. Yeah. And dreamicide yep. is when you kill your own dreams. So I started off with a story um, of a young lady. Um, and this young lady was a former student of mine as well. And uh, Miriam Edwards is her name. Miriam had a tremendous accident that happened uh, back in the day. It was a horrible accident. Many people thought like uh, it was her and she was uh, in, a, in a bus, uh, you know, going with her church, her yeah. church uh, goers, all of them were going together. They got in this horrible accident. And when she got in the accident, they brought her to the hospital and they thought she wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Um, people thought she was going to die. And even in uh, Jamaica, she's from Jamaica, West Indies. Um, her family in Jamaica started preparing for her funeral. Mm -hmm. They were planning it, um, but she didn't die. She did all these surgeries, had to go through all types of different medical procedures, um, but she was alive. And this lady here was an old lady yeah. and decided that she was going to go back to school. So when she came into the school on that day, she came in on a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And when she came in the wheelchair, everyone was looking at this lady coming in on a wheelchair. And she looked at me and she said, um, she said, she said, look, um, I, I, this is new for me. I, I haven't been at this level before. Um, I have a lot that I've went through, yeah. but I'm here. And she said, I need your support. And I said, let me ask you a question. Why are you in school? Mm -hmm. And she said, because I had an accident. Yeah. And she said, before I used to know God by knowledge, but today I know him by faith. Mm. Boss, when she said that to me, the thing nearly, like I almost kicked off the wheelchair. Like I was like, whoa, yeah. that was some deep stuff. She said, I used to know God by knowledge, yeah. right? I used to know God just by hearing about him. But through my life experience, I know him by faith. And if he gave me this life, I cannot allow me to be physically living, but for my dreams to die. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to college and finish college. Mm -hmm. And that story was a story that I think was so impactful because she was the epitome of what it means to overcome dream aside. Yeah. Yes, she was alive. And yes, she went through struggle. 
but she didn't allow that dream to die. And this lady graduated, and when she graduated from college, look, it was, she came in on a wheelchair, she left walking on her two feet. Why? Because she had a belief. And because she believed, she never allowed her dream to die. She never committed dream aside. So the reason why I use stories is because sometimes stories help us to recognize who we are, yeah. right? And sometimes the things that we complain about, we have to ask ourselves, well, did I have a major accident, right? Where where, where my legs were dislocated, right? Mm -hmm. um, my bone was fractured and all of these things happened to me. And they had to do all these reconstructive surgeries uh, to bring me back to life, yeah. right? And if I didn't have that happen to me, what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. What excuse that do I have? Mm -hmm. So stories help us to understand that people have gone through way more than us. So therefore, whatever we have, we could do much more. Just like people in the civil rights movement, they didn't have all the access to technology and everything that we have. So if, if a Martin Luther King Jr. could start a movement, right, and have millions of people around the world marching mm -hmm. without social media, mm -hmm. what could we do now now that we have access yes. to the technology? Yes. No excuses. Because yes. at the crime scene of every dead dream, the easiest evidence to find is an excuse. Mm some reason why somebody's going to say, why I couldn't make it happen? Why I couldn't make the move? Cut the excuses because the people who are, who are before you had less than you and has done more to get you to where you are right now. Don't kill the dream. I am so happy that you're saying that because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because I wanted the people to stop, to stop having things done to them and they just fall into that victim mode and they just there. Yeah. We, you, you have to rise. You have to get past that. You have to move forward. And it's just like you said, people before us had less than what we have now. Yeah. You have people that's becoming rich and all they're doing is walking around with their cell phone recording. I was watching this guy on YouTube and he's just walking around. He's going to different um, countries and he's just walking around and he's that's it. That's all he's doing. Yeah. It has like over a million views. Absolutely. So yeah. there's like no reason why we're saying that we want to do something and we don't want to do it. Procrastination, I'm going to tell you that right now. That's that's a problem that I know. I, I know for a fact that I have. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is I feel better when I plan and prep. So whenever, yes. when, if I have a deadline or something is due when we're in January now, at the end of January, and I got it done this week and it's done, I don't have to worry about it. It feels good. Absolutely. But then there's something that, that keeps telling me in my head, just wait, you got time. You got time. Just wait, just wait. And then I find myself trying to do the work that needs to be done the day before the deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, just a reminder, right, of, 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 of something that holds us back. Comfort is a beautiful place, mm -hmm. but nothing grows in comfort. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, comfort is what allows us to procrastinate. You see, when you are inspired or you're desperate or you feel like it's like the deadline is right there, yeah. what happens is you make things happen. What most people don't fall out of, right, they don't figure out how to, how to operate um, urgently even when they're in a comfortable position. Mm -hmm. Come, when you're in comfort, what you do, you sleep, you yeah. lay back, you yeah. relax. And part of the reason why most people procrastinate and push things back is because they have some level of comfort. So it's not an urgent deadline. It's not a strict deadline. And it's easy to put it off until later, until you find yourself in that place where your back is against the wall. Mm -hmm. And you know what you do? You figure out a way. Unfortunately, most people don't know how to make things urgent while they're in comfort. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you have to do is actually work on tricking your mind, right? Like tricking your mind. I need to get up. At 7.30 in the morning, if I need to get up, I'm setting my alarm for 7, but I have to put myself in the space that 7 is the time that I really need to get up, right? Um, so, so, so whatever it is, I'm just using that as an example to just say, you have to trick your mind. You got to work on your mind. And the more you work on it, the more you're going to create what's called neurological pathways that tell your mind, this is how we function. This is the mindset um, that we have. So procrastination is a big killer of dreams. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I, there, there's no, There's no... 
There's no formula to overcome procrastination. It's about you getting your mind to a place where you recognize that things have to be urgent because I have to get things done. What do I lose by not doing this yeah. right now? And most of the time when people procrastinate, they leave money on the table, mm -hmm. they stick in the same place that they're at, they continue to complain, but they know that they are the cause of their own problems. Yes, yes. They know it. There's yes. no question about it. You know you are the yes. cause of your own problem. How long do you want to have that problem? Yes, that, that, that hard push is that first step. That, that, that's the hard thing. And yeah. One thing that I notice is everything in my head I say I don't want to do, I just say go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. Absolutely. And I remember um, when I was- Or have somebody hold you accountable, right? Exactly. Sometimes you yeah, need somebody yeah. to hold you accountable who's going to be on top of your back, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, look, I'm trying to do better. You know, my wife is a nurse practitioner. Yeah. She wants me to eat right, right? And, and sometimes, right? Sometimes I need her and her, her way of holding me accountable. Yeah. She doesn't allow me to bring in the house anything that is not in alignment with our meal plans. See, that's good. Right? Yep. So I'll hear her over and over and I'm like, man, look, I really want that right now, but yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna listen to her because she's holding me accountable just like I hold her accountable to her business growth and things she wants to do. She doesn't like to be in public, yeah. but I got to push her sometimes. Like, look, you got to do what you need to do because you're building a business. So mm -hmm. we hold each other accountable and that reduces some of the procrastination. Nice, nice, nice. All right, so we're, we're coming close to um, the end of this episode, but there's definitely three questions that I always like to ask during an interview. And I select these questions based off of the person that I'm interviewing. And these three questions, I, I just, I, I really, really think that it'll be beneficial to the listeners. And the first question I want to ask you is, what would you say to your younger self? Great question. So I would tell my younger self to believe bigger, faster. Believe bigger, faster. I think a lot of times what holds us back um, is our belief. And we believe um, we believe in getting to the next step, but we don't believe bigger. And your level of belief will determine your level of action mm -hmm. and your level of effort that you would put into something. So um, aim high could have been much further out yeah. if I had believed bigger, much faster. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? It takes time. It's a process. But that's what I would tell my younger self. I would say, boss, believe. Believe bigger and believe now. Believe faster because you'll go much further in your life with your family and every aspect of your life if you believe from very early that you can make it happen. Nice, nice, nice. My second question to you is this. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? So in the next five years, we certainly are going to be expanding AIM High to an international level. Um, I take trips all the time and I go to places like Greece and places like France. And then I go to the Caribbean and hit Jamaica and nice, St. Lucia nice, and nice. go back to the Virgin Islands. And one of the things that I don't like about what I do right now is I touch those lands. And in those lands, I might go to resorts or I might stay in an Airbnb. And um, there's people who are suffering around those countries, yeah. just like people are struggling here in the United States. And I want to make sure that every place that I go to, um, that I leave a mark over there as well, a positive mark. Um, and whether that's through personal development, professional development, whether it's helping people with their maps over there. Yeah. And I may not speak the language, but there's always somebody we could connect to. And we have apps today, right, in which we could speak in our language and it could be translated to them. But my plan is to, when we go to um, internationally, to do a lot more philanthropy um, and helping communities out in those areas while we're still doing the work over here as well. Nice. That that there I like that. and I'll be a part of all of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. International. Yeah, you that's gotta right. get on some flights, boss. Yeah, so, so that's another thing. I, I never got on a plane before. Um only the furthest I've ever been to Florida and I took a, a train down there and that was a twenty four hour ride, which I'll never do it again in my life, but definitely gotta um th that's a goal for this year, two thousand and twenty. I'm getting good on a plane and I'm going to go Trust somewhere. me, we got some trips planned and you're yeah. definitely going to be there with us um, where we're going to be going out up to some places, doing some work nice, in some nice. foreign countries. So you got to get your passport yes. ready, get that stuff ready so we can get ready to go. Definitely, definitely. All right. So the big one, the last question I want to ask you, if you can tell the listeners that are listening right now 
the one big takeaway that they should take away from this episode, what would it be? The biggest takeaway that they should take away from this episode right here is that progress is a process. Mm-hmm. Progress is a process. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you could hear my story. You could hear about where I'm at right now. You could hear the story about the different people who are going to be coming on and listening to these different episodes. Um, and, and you could stay connected to Journey of the Mindset. Yeah. But progress is a process, right? It takes time. Everything takes time. I heard one speaker said one time, it, took, it takes 24 years to become 24 years old, mm-hmm. right? You don't at 18 say, I want to be 24 tomorrow, <laughs> right? It takes time. Progress True. is a process. And if you just stop worrying about the end result, yeah. you don't know when your time is going to be up. And I guarantee you, if you're making progress, you will feel happier. You'll feel much better. Um, our de- Declaration of Independence says, you know, you will, you in here in the United States, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. I want to change happiness to progress. Mm-hmm. It's a pursuit of progress. And every day that you make progress, you will feel better about yourself. And you don't have to worry about the end result. The end result will come if you are consistent in doing what you need to do and consistently making progress. Progress is a process. But you got to understand that the price of your progress is pain. You're going to go through pain. It's not going to feel good all the time, but it's a part of the process. Mr. Brown, where, where, where can these listeners find you at? Where, where are you yeah, at? brother, they <laughs> can find me, um, you know, at Sherman Brown. That's Sherman, S-H-E-R-M-A-N, Brown. That's Brown with an E at the end. Don't forget the E. But they can find me at Sherman Brown on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on YouTube, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, we're everywhere, man. I'm Sherman Brown. And if you want to find my website, Sherman Brown, Brown with the E at the end.com. Um, we have tons of courses there. We have uh, the Aim High Ambassadors Academy for nice. people who are looking to develop themselves personally through personal mastery. We have a business and accelerator course that they could um, tie into as well. Those who want to become speakers, we have the Aim High Influencers Program where we develop you as a speaker. So uh, Sherman Brown, Brown with the E at the end. You could find me on all platforms. And, uh, you know, whatever you do, keep your ambition, inspiration, and motivation high. And and most importantly, because I felt like this this Overcoming Dream Aside impacted my life in such a positive way, where can they find the book? So if they go to overcomingdreamaside.com, that's overcomingdreamaside.com, they could uh, see where they could get the book and they also get uh, access to the Overcoming Dream Aside online course. So that's a course that goes along with the book. You could get the book, the audio book, as well as the, um, the, the, the video course um, that we provide. And you run that on your own time. Um, it's a lovely course um, and it guides you through it, especially if you're somebody in the beginning of your journey or in the middle of your journey. We're going to show you how to execute your ideas and keep your dreams alive. So it's overcomingdreamaside.com. Make sure to check it out. Or if you go to my website, shermanbrown.com, you'll find it there as well. Nice, nice. Mr. Brown, it's truly been an honor. Um, I'm around you a lot, so I'm definitely going to get you on some more um, segments. So people, please look forward to it. Um, subscribe. Um, definitely you can go on Instagram and you'll see the post when I'm going to post this. And you can um, leave some comments there. You can also leave some comments on in the email, 143speaks at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of Journey in a Mindset where you come here to get some information that's going to help you elevate to the next level. Until next time, world family, peace. What's going on, world family? It's your boy, Donald Jones. Hey, listen, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow me on all social media platforms at Donald Jones 143. Peace.